Come on, Peter. It's your suit. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die. She wasn't altogether there. At the end. stress on my family. Hello and welcome to another fan critical podcast. Uh, and this one is another commission podcast, which is great because let's face it, um, we're getting paid. We're getting paid. Yes, very good point. But also there is nothing really coming out film wise for the next couple months at least until the studios finally you know realize that going to the cinema is not a good idea and they're just going to release everything on disney plus which seems to be what's going to happen with a lot of films uh which is great and well that's fine you know i literally just signed up so that would work yeah work well, well that marvel wise gareth we're laughing this is gaz gaz is with me today say hi hello yeah. terrible introduction but uh it'll do uh but yes so everything hopefully will be just released straight to disney plus and in selected theaters where obviously covid isn't ravaging uh the landscape so not here in melbourne so not here in melbourne because we are in stage four lockdown uh which is why once again we are remotely podcasting with each other um although it was very nice to hear that emma and john who just recently did our uh, other commission podcast on no country for old men which was released a few days ago or today or whatever uh they were in the same room so that was nice to have them back recording in the same studio. I'm doing studio in little quotation marks because uh, if you ever see our studios, you will realise they are the furthest thing possible from a studio. Mate, yeah? you've got a pretty so, professional setup there. Yeah. Well, when I move house, Gareth, I've I've ordered some really good kit. Uh, mm. So let's just say the studio is being the studio is being crafted. Um, so this is a commission podcast and it's from our lovely Patreon, Chris Mayer, um, who recently commissioned us to cover Ari Aster's second, uh, feature length horror movie, uh, Midsommar. Now you guys out there might've listened to that one. If you have, we've had some good feedback from that one, Gareth, uh, Apparently it went very well. Well, so that's, that's good. nice. That's always nice. nice. Always nice to hear. Well, it's it's easy. It's easy when it's such a great film that we love talking about. Yeah. So. Yeah. So guess what? Chris has sat, sat there and gone, that was so good. Do the first one that you kept talking about <laughs> in that one, Hereditary. Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about Ari Aster's first smash hit horror movie, Hereditary, which took the horror world by storm. Um, and got glowing praise from a lot of critics. And mm. I'm going to say some mixed reviews from audiences. Uh, now, I'm going to say this. If you haven't seen the film Hereditary, please do go watch it. 
then come back as there's going to be spoilers for the film Hereditary. And honestly, I think this film, you need to sort of experience it before you listen to this because some of the some of the stuff in there is just mental um, and terrifying if, if, if you're that way inclined. Yeah, I mean, not to mention it would just be really weird to listen to a podcast on Hereditary if you haven't seen the movie. Hey, some people listen to the podcast, Gareth, without... Uh, watching the stuff. In fact, when we were doing a Walking Dead podcast, I know a lot of people who had given up on the show and were still listening to our podcast to hear John and me go mental at the show every week. So people do do it. It is a thing. Well, each to their own. Each to their own. Each to their own. But if you're sitting there, right, and you're wondering how the hell can people, uh, you know, say, hey, cover this, and then we actually listen and do it... um, that's a very good answer. There's an answer to that. You can go to patreon.com forward slash fan critical. That's patreon.com forward slash fan critical. What can you do once you're there? Well, on there, you'll see that there's several different options or tiers, as we call them. And you can become um, a form of a blueberry. You know, we've got several different forms of blueberry. You know, you've got your regular blueberry. Um, you've got senior blueberry. You've got elite blueberry. You know, I've forgotten the tiers myself, but they're all blueberry related Hmm. um and they all have different things all get you bonus content uh episodes you know that we've recorded uh of cast it where we recast films and tv shows with uh, new actors or a dream cast if you will sometimes with different rules and parameters that make it quite hilarious i will say so Hmm. um was that a scottish accent uh, yeah i don't know what it was to be honest you have lost I, i have no idea but um I've lost the plot a bit. Sunday afternoon, stage four lockdown. This is what happens. You can also uh, get access to our Discord server. And there is a tier which, you know, might, may seem a little bit pricey, but I think it's a decent... Well, don't say that. Get to... Just It's perfectly reasonable price. It helps us make stuff, yeah? But it, it's good when you think about the quality that we're going to give you right now. Yeah? yeah. Chris is loving this. You've paid for this, Chris. You've paid for all of this that's happening right now. If you want to get in on that action, patreon.com forward slash fancritical. That would be amazing. Any any financial support is incredible. Helps us with hosting costs, equipment. It all goes towards the podcast. Nothing, helps to you feed know, you. It does help to feed me. Currently in a state of um, full-time podcasting uh, due to COVID. But, you know, enough of my plight, Gareth. It is what it is. Um, Did you get the care package I sent you? No, no care packages yet. Yeah, send um, some bread over. Anything. For you. Yeah, that'd be nice. But freshly baked sourdough that you've taken. No, over you get my leftovers. Week. So brilliant. Okay. Um, so let's let's begin with Hereditary. Is there a scarier film out there than Hereditary at the moment, Gareth? In terms of in the recent horror genre world, and then I would also like you to explain the first time you saw this movie, and then could you please also blueberry this movie? Okay. Um, well, is there a scarier film out there? I don't know. I, that, in a way, is a bit of a loaded question, and you have to start breaking down what the meaning of scary is. In terms of horror movies that I like, there are... Um, my favourite type of horror film is a horror film that doesn't rely on jump scares. That I I don't like that element of the horror genre and I think today's market of horror films is saturated with these jumpy scare films something in the dark it gets all quiet and then bang something jumps out at you and yeah sure that gives you 
a moment of fear, just an in- instinctive, well, jump. But it's not truly scary, is it? That's not something that, that disturbs you and, and lives with you and haunts you. And for me, the best horror films are the ones that haunt you and 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 get inside your head and leave you ruminating on them for, for days to come. And I tell you, Hereditary is absolutely one of those films. I, it's something, it's a film that moments within it haven't left my psyche since the first time I saw it, like a year and a half ago, probably. Um, mm. And it's it's a film that it absolutely doesn't rely on jump scares. It creates a, a there constant... There are some in there. There, there are, there but, are but I've chosen my one words... very terrifying one. I've chosen my words very carefully there. It doesn't rely on jump scares. No. Yeah, true. And it what it does is it it creates a, a constant constant state of unease. And yeah, you know that's done that's done through a, a number of things, a number of techniques. I think like like things like lighting are used incredibly in this film. I think the the mm. sort of a shift in lighting will just reveal something that's been there the whole time that you hadn't seen. Um, Once again, talking about a very scary scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, the acting is superb, and like to be honest, just the the story, the 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 narrative itself is is really mm. really creepy and disturbing, um, mm. as well as some absolutely batshit crazy disturbing scenes. Um, mm. for, for this to be Ari Aster's first film, it's just incredible. Um, I, I personally, I'm an, I'm an absolute I'm a sucker for pagan ritual movies and and like demon worship that that gets me um it really really gets my scary bone what is that yeah you know what i mean you're gonna say something else no i'm not saying that um and it no no, nothing like there is a lot of nudity in this film gareth that's what you're into weird creepy old people and he loves a weird creepy old person this this guy ariaster he loves them can't get enough of them i thought you were saying me Uh, um yeah, and, and he loves you. he loves making them naked as well. To be fair, um, yeah, Midsummer had loads of them. Yeah, it does. Um, so look, I mean, this is this is one of my favorite horror films. F- personally, one of my favorite horror films of all time, and I don't know whether that's being hyperbolic, but that is how I feel about it. Um, mm. It's a, it's of course it's a five blueberry movie for me. I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't necessarily want to watch it every couple of weeks because it's horrifying mm. and it's it's really upsetting yeah, once it once a year once a year kind of jobby yeah that'll do um but it's mm. it's an incredible incredible movie um i'd like yeah. to know what your thoughts are on on this well i'll kick off with rotten tomatoes actually first and it says hereditary uses its classic setup as the framework for a harrowing, uncommonly unsettling horror film whose cold touch lingers long beyond the closing credits. Um, and that is, I think, a very excellent way to describe the film. Harrowing's now, a great remember, word. Harrowing's a great and word. And also, cold touch lingers long beyond the closing credits, which is something that we you discussed just there, like staying in your psyche, staying in your mind, uh, you know, those dark moments alone in a house or whatever, and just flashing the imagery up from this movie um that's what the best horror movies do they stay with you and they they put you on edge even when you haven't seen them for years and i will say that i remember watching this the first time with you uh on one of my trips over to australia um 
before you moved here. Together, before I moved here. And we watched it together. Uh, we were like, I was like, look, we've got to watch this film hereditary. It's supposed to be good. You're like, yeah, right, let's crack it on. It was like 3 a.m. when we finished it because we started it at like midnight. <laughs> we did start it late, it yeah. Weird. And it was dark and, you know, I'm in a foreign country. Uh, and I remember I was like sleeping in a like the front room or something. Anyway, it was just, it was creepy. And um, it stuck with me a little bit um, since watching that at that time. And then I've seen it probably three or four times since then. And it it gets me every time. Like even the, the jump scare, jump scares in, in in little quotation marks get me every time. I've watched it with three different people now. Um, you being one of them, another one being my girlfriend, and um, this isn't this a is film actually this one hundred percent not. I also made her watch Midsummer, which she yeah you know, stop doing that hated. If you want to keep it, um, but, yeah. But I will say that I have actually spoken to quite a few people about this movie. And although it's got the critical acclaim, and although I see it as something that's excellent, and I know you do because you just gave it five blueberries, there's a lot of people out there who think it's absolute trash and absolute stupid. And and I can I, look, I respect that because in this film, there's a lot of things going on where it descends into chaos. And by the end yes. of it, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And I love that. Um but there's a lot of people, and rightly in their own opinion, think that's stupid. Uh, my girl, my girlfriend being one of them. I think I think you've got to say though that the chaos that it descends into is sort of it's it's signalled throughout the movie. It's foreshadowed. Yeah, it's foreshadowed yeah. all the yeah. time. It's but not you like don't, it's just out of nowhere. Yeah, but that's what's great about this movie. You don't know that. Like looking back, you know that it's got layers to it. Like it's got moments where you're like, oh, that makes sense now. When you look back at it. But when the first time you see it, if you don't like do a bit of reading about this film, you don't do a little bit of rewatching. I can understand how you think it's just stupid, but I love it. It's um, it's a five blueberry horror film for me. It's it's. Do I think it's better than Midsummer? Hmm. As a horror movie, hundred uh, percent. I think it's it it's a bit more traditional in terms of its themes. You know, like you said, demon worship, pagan rituals. Um, the, the, both films have something very uh, integral at the center of them and that is a fantastic standout performance from a female character uh, uh in in midsummer you've got florence Pugh, who we've already showered praise on because she's unbelievable and in this you've got tony collette who is unbelievable as well and i think those key acting performances make the films what they are I, I think this is a better horror movie. I think Midsommar has its own sort of fucking weird genre going on. You know, we talked about it like like folk horror. It is around a bit, but it hasn't been around since like the Wicker Man kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, it's very Wicker Man-y. But, but the thing with, with Midsommar, like I, I remember listening to an interview with, um, uh, I can't remember, can't remember, can't remember who it was, but one of the cast members who said that um, Ari Aster actually sort of said a lot of this film is it's a comedy it's, it's yeah, exactly, actually a yeah. comedy like it follows a lot of comedy beats hereditary is not a comedy um and no, uh, there's no mistake of grief it's, yeah it's a story i of think grief i think um mourning i think it's a really good question um like which film's better or which one you prefer i, I love both of them but i think hereditary is tighter and yeah i mean yeah I don't know exactly what I mean by that, but I, 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 
but it it makes some sense to me. I think it's a I think it's a more it's sort of a more neatly packaged movie in a way. It's um, it's, it's one of those things that everyone will see this film differently. I see it as two films. I think there's two films in this film, um, and they blend into one another in the midsection. It's it's very it's an interesting. That's why it's so interesting. It's just so well crafted. Like if you were to see the end of the film and like sort of the first 20 minutes of the film, you'd be like, what the, f- how is, how are these two films related? But they are <laughs> anyway. So that's our general thoughts on the movie. Um, it's a five bloober from us. Um, of course you can let us know your thoughts. You can email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or as I said, go to patreon.com forward slash fancritical message us on there. Join, join the blueberries, become a blueberry commissioner podcast. Uh, but we're going to talk about the film, in some uh, more detail, a bit of trivia, uh, a bit of key moments, you know, talking about the key moments of the film, what we think works extremely well in terms of uh, the horror genre, uh, the acting, all that sort of stuff. Before we do that, a quick little advert. Are you ready to be scared? Do you like to listen to creepy, fictional and true stories? Then this is the podcast for you. Come check out my podcast, Horror, Fictional, and True Stories, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and most other podcasting platforms. So what you should do is definitely check those guys out. That was a pretty slick ad. Uh, And now for our ad. Um, Not much to plug (laughs) here because, as I said, it's commissioned stuff. We have been doing our How the Fuck Have You Not Seen That series where we raid our closets of shame where we talk about films that we've lied about for years that we've seen uh so for example i said i'd seen reservoir dogs since about 1997 liar and i haven't liar um shame as they would say in the game of thrones world shame um shame ding ding uh you know we've just done gladiator emma hadn't seen that it's mental shame there's there's some absolute yeah, that is that is the worst one. Although there is an even worse one coming up, which where Lucy reveals that she hasn't seen Pulp Fiction, and and for me that's worse than Reservoir Dogs. Um, I mean, I don't understand why she's still allowed to be in the podcast. To be honest. Also, why why are we like why is Quentin Tarantino like a thing that we haven't seen <laughs> yeah. that much of? It's yeah, mental. it's weird. Um, it's weird. So that's how the fuck have you not seen that? I think they are some of our more fun podcasts because we get to watch brilliant movies and have a laugh with it. So please do check those out right now. But the most important thing that I implore everybody to do, um, you know, if you like stuff like Hereditary, right, which we talk about now, um, then do check out our new podcast, Lovecraft Country Critical. Yes, Lovecraft Country. What is that? That is a show that is starting this week on HBO. Uh, and it is by a, an author called Matt Ruff, who has a novel which follows an African-American um, family or a couple of families in 1950s America. And it interweaves sort of, um, how do you say this, sort of themes around like films like Green Book um, and then also themes from stuff like Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft. So you're getting this um, at times extremely sort of... Um, interesting genre where science fiction gothic horror and sort of racial undertones are all meshed together uh, to create a fascinating character study and uh, we have our own dedicated podcast lovecraft country critical and we would appreciate all of our listeners to uh, 
go subscribe to that now and leave us a review. Uh, our first episode will be out Monday, the 17th of August. It's going to be great. It, it's going to be amazing. Uh, the early reviews are in because obviously some people were allowed screeners and stuff and they say it's brilliant. So we are very much looking forward to that. I can guarantee that all of our listeners, if you've enjoyed our coverage of things like Game of Thrones, Westworld, Castle Rock, um, you know, all of those sorts of shows, Watchmen, especially Watchmen, Watchmen. the Minutemen are back. So yeah. get ready for that. And um, another one. Then And another one. And another one. And a minute, a minute woman has joined us <laughs> as well. So minute woman plus minute men. Uh, then you're gonna love, you're gonna love this show. Okay, so Lovecraft Country Critical. That's all I have to say. Let's jump into some key highlights for Hereditary. Right then, Gareth. Let's uh, let's go through this film and right. um, see see what we like and see what we don't like. I think there's going to be nothing that we don't like. <laughs> so, uh, Annie Graham, uh, played by Tony Collette, is a miniatures artist who lives in Utah with her husband Steve, their 16 year old son Peter, and their eccentric and reserved 13 year old daughter Charlie. Um, you so said that, that, miniatures. That's a strange yes. way of saying that word. Well, I believe most of our listeners are American, and I'm pretty certain that is how they would say it. Okay, interesting. What would you What would you say about that? Would you say I'd that say miniatures, miniatures is English, and miniatures I would say is American? But mm-hmm. that's just me. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, please do let us know. Write in fancriticalpodcast at gmail dot com. Do you say miniatures or do you say miniatures? I actually am fascinated now. In fact, I think that's more interesting than this podcast. So stop what you're doing. Send me that email right now. Thank you. Um, so, Charlie, she's weird, isn't she? Yep. Gareth. Yeah. Um, she's weird in a lot of ways. Um, now, I don't, I don't want to be horrible here, but she's she is a weird looking girl. Aesthetically, a very strange looking girl. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that adds to sort of the mystique around her character. Like hundred percent, she's a very mysterious and uh, it seems like a seems like disturbed young girl like you know she's picking up dead birds and stuff making weird little statues um yeah other she's making her own miniatures gareth well so, she is she's cutting off heads and and yeah. making yeah that you know that's a that's a theme throughout the film yeah um yeah and she talks in a clicking language uh to herself what i will say is ariasta has and um, he did this in midsummer he makes noises very haunting. <laughs> like, yeah. no, no, just think about it. Like, there's the clicking the, in this film, yep. right? And anyone who's seen the film knows what we're talking about. It's terrifying. Uh, and in um, Midsommar, there's the... Like, the breathing thing that they do. Mm. Um, and he's very good at creating these rhythmic, simple noises, which create shivers and... Uh, you know, down my spine, as it were. It's, you know. Anyway, <laughs> let, let's continue with this sort of plot. So, Charlie, bit weird. Um, at the funeral of her secret, uh, at the funeral of her secretive mother, um, Annie, you know, delivers this eulogy explaining a fraught relationship and her mother's yeah. extremely private life. So we know that the grandmother was a bit, you know, distant from her. It, well, you, you know what's weird as well. Sorry, um, yeah. what's weird about this funeral is like. 
the family there, like the Grahams, the the main characters, they're like the outsiders in this funeral. They're um, they don't they don't know a lot of the people who are there, and there's some fucking creepy people. Like, do you remember remember that guy? Do you remember that guy who's just like smiling at um at Charlie? Like, creepy. It's so weird. weird. Uh, Anyway, that that straight away. It gives you this sense of unease, doesn't it? Where it's like, right, what is going on here? Why don't they know the people at their... At, like, why doesn't Tony Collette know the people at her own mum's funeral? Um, mm. And it just gives you a sense of them being outsiders to this malevolent mm. group. They are they are definitely outsiders. And at this point, you're sort of like, okay, it's just, you know, pretty standard stuff. Um, it turns out that, like, after this funeral, uh, a week later, the... the the grave of the grandmother has been desecrated, right? Now, you just sort of hear that, like, a conversation between Annie and her husband. And you're like, okay, so everyone put a pin in that because it's going to come back later for sure. <laughs> um, you also just get in a sense of this family dynamic with Peter, the son, um, and Charlie sort of a bit estranged in terms of a sibling relationship. You get a sense that the the wife and the husband are a bit, you know, you're getting this family dynamic, you know, you're trying to figure out what's going on here. You know, Mm. how normal is this family? They're called the Grahams. They've got to be pretty normal, right? That's a pretty normal surname. Uh, But it turns out that Peter (laughs) is is this sort of rebellious little teenager and he wants to go to a party. Um, He, you know... What surname would suit them better out of interest, then? uh, Abernathy. I don't know why (laughs) that came to my mind. Probably Westworld. (laughs) Oh, I yeah. um, Abernathy would work. I think Abernathy would work it, really well. Yeah, yeah. it would. Um, so Peter wants to go to a party and Annie, you know, wants to say to Peter that, look, take Charlie with you. And for me, this is bizarre. In Mental. film, I do think this is this is a moment where I'm like, I don't get this yeah. at all. Like, um, Charlie is like, seems very young in the film. I would say she's like 12 or 13. I, I honestly can't remember. But, yeah, I think uh, she's. I think she's supposed to be thirteen. She looks a bit younger, and it, but yeah, I know Peter kind of lies about what event it is. He says it's like a school event of some sort, um, but to take Charlie just seems bizarre to me. I know that um, the character of Annie, the mother, is trying to sort of support Charlie as much as she can because she sees that she's quite a sort of distant child. Um, and the grandmother actually, you find out, actually was very fond of Charlie and like tried to raise her sort mm. of herself in a way and was very close with her so it's it, it and that obviously comes back later but it it was a weird decision to see annie let her daughter go to this party um or event in little quotation marks i'm sure she knew what was going on um throughout the film at the start you're sort of told that charlie you know has a as a nut allergy right so they go to this party and charlie's like the youngest kid there by a mile i don't know what's going on like this is like a proper, you know, stereotypical what you see in horror movies or any sort of American film party, right? Um, Charlie's there being weird um, and she sees cake and she's like, oh, I'm going to go eat this cake. That's what that's Peter's what 12-year-olds like, do at parties, is eat cake. Yeah, she, lo- she loves cake. That is fair. That's nice. Um, Peter's like doing drugs upstairs or whatever. Charlie has this cake and lo and behold, it has nuts in it. Uh, and as I said, she's got a nut allergy. 
and you get this sort of harrowing scene where she's really struggling to breathe peter's panicking he's they live in sort of the middle of nowhere really like utah i imagine it's quite barren at times like these roads and you get a sense of that and they're driving home she's like choking the back she needs to get air she opens the back window and fucking hell you know there's a pole there she puts her head out the window and uh, just the, the, it was, talking about this makes me very uneasy. Well, it makes me feel a bit sick. I think because I think I think just quickly an additional dynamic to that is that her head's out the window, but then Peter swerves because there's a dead animal in the road. That's and right. Yes, that's yes, what yes. takes yes. them takes her into the pole. Um, and it's it's I mean it's pretty visceral. Um, and it's well, pretty... it's not, it's not, it, it's not visceral in the sound. In terms the sound the fact, is visceral. The sound, yeah. I tell you what, I tell you what's haunting about it is the fact that there's this like. I, I tell you what actually makes me feel. I mean, it, let's just take this way. There's like a 15 minute stretch of the film here, which I think is the best part of the movie. Um, I I think something about it just makes me feel sick. Yeah, and it's a couple of decisions that are made by Peter here, um, and just okay. So decision number one, and we get it revealed in the sort of this long shot, dead of night, barren road, headlights on the car. He's looking so distraught and like haunted instantly by the event that's just happened. He's just seen his sister get decapitated, but her body is still in the car, and you don't see this. This is all visually told through peter's eyes like you just see what he's looking at he sits in the road for a bit and then he just drives off normally uh, the thing that makes me sick here is he parks the car at the family home and then goes upstairs goes to sleep allows his mother to wake up go out to see the car and see her decapitated daughter's body sitting in the car once again you do not see this you hear it because yeah. you hear Tony Collette's fantastic acting and screaming. Then you also see a fantastic scene with Tony Collette doing the most primal screaming I've ever heard in my life of a mother who has lost her daughter. And it is just one of the most intense sequences of films I've seen. You also get in that 15 minute sequence a flash cut of Charlie's head sitting in a sort of abandoned road on the curb side with flies all over it ants and i think ants yes correct and that's, that's actually very important um and yeah wow talk to me gareth this is uh i don't really you know i'm not selling it short it's disgusting isn't it it's just the whole thing about it's just disgusting yeah i don't i don't really i don't really want to talk about it um mm. uh, yeah i mean i've never put my head out a car window again and i, I never have to be honestly, honest with you, and i'm never gonna do it I used to do it all the time. Um, there is no chance at all. Um, I I guess, yeah. I mean, look, Peter's reaction immediately after it happens is is so upsetting. Like, you know, just that shock. And you're right. He just sits there. He just sits there after it's happened, and just doesn't know what to do. Um. And I mean, fuck me, yeah. He just goes to bed. That's not cool. Oh, um, I can't, mate. It's just, it's just for me. The, the 
as I said, uh, Annie waking up, going down, like thinking it's a normal day, walks outside, sees her son's car there, and there's just a like you. This is what's powerful about Ari Aster's storytelling at times. He shows you the flash frame of her head, right? And it yeah. is a flash frame. It yeah. probably lasts a second, right? Um, but you just hear it and you see the anguish in Tony Collette and you, in her acting and and like he's very good at that i this is the problem with horror movies in general that sometimes they show you too much like like let's take for example a film like Jeepers Creepers mm. which is a fantastic horror movie I knew you were up say until that. 70% of the way through the film the first 70% of the way through the film i think that's a fantastic horror movie because you're getting these glimpses of things that are going on uh, but then when the monster's revealed and it becomes a bit B movie it it's stupid, you know, it loses it, it stops loses being intensity. scary, it stops being disturbing, it stops it's what what happens is it stops you from using your imagination to fill in the blanks. Which is worse most yeah. of the time. Yeah. And your imagination fills in the blanks here. Um which is why it's terrifying. You don't see her discover the body. Yeah. You hear it and, and it's off camera and it's it's very powerful. Um but let's move on, you know. Uh, people who have seen this film will know that that section is is I think one of the most disturbing uh, sequences in in horror movie history. Actually. Terrific acting excellent. all round as well. Unbelievable acting. Unbe- uh, the acting in this film is unreal. Like it's just even Peter the kid. He's fantastic. He is fantastic. I've I've seen him in things like J- the newest Jumanji movie, for example. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. He's in that. <laughs> yeah. And stuff like that. But it's just like. Yeah, this if you this kid he's he's got great potential he's going to be good he's mm. going to be good um so basically annie's devastated uh mother has lost her daughter the family is in tatters the husband is sort of trying to hold it all together peter's um sort of feeling charlie's presence around the house hearing the noise oh my God. at times it's terrifying um Annie is struggling with her miniatures now. She's got this big project coming up. Uh, miniatures, miniatures, whatever you want. <laughs> and uh, she's also joined a sort of self-help group where she bumps into Joan uh, now. From the Leftovers. Unbelievable actress. Oh, my God. Leftovers, Handmaid's, Handmaid's Tale. Tale yeah. she's, she's unreal, Joan, right? She is one of the best actresses I think out there at the moment. She's great in terms of the roles that she's given in shows and films. Fuck me, she's good. Like, you want to hate her. Like, in The Leftovers, in Handmaid's Tale, you kind of hate her. But at times you can sympathise with her as well, even though she's such a hateable character. Mm. And I think in this, she comes across fantastically well as this creepy sort of guide for Annie um, in this terrible moment of her life. And, you know... Joan basically helps Annie to sort of grieve because that's what it is. It's a self-help group for, you know, grieving people. Uh, they share like coffee, tea a couple of times. And then lo and behold, Joan bumps into her one time and says, Annie, you won't believe what's happened. I'm in the best place ever. Uh, I have spoken to my, I think it's her son that's died Ooh. or her grandson that's died. I can't remember. Uh, it's all a load of shit because it's probably all a lie. But, uh, you know, how is this possible? You've got to come over. I'll show you how it happened. And they recreate this sort of seance where, you know, they speak to the dead, as it were. And Annie can't believe it. It's it's actually quite a scary little scene in a way, even though you've seen this scene 
yeah. told a million times in horror movies and other films and reality documentaries and all that sort of stuff. Um, and Annie believes it so much that she she takes the the method. She's given the method by Joan. She takes it back to the house and wakes up Peter and her husband, uh, Steve. And they perform a miniature sort of seance in the house. you mean a miniature um, seance? Oh, yes, a uh, miniature. No, a miniature is referring to a model, Gareth. Miniature <laughs> is small. Um, I don't know. But uh, what do you think about this little seance in the house where they try to get Charlie to draw something because Charlie was an avid sketch artist as it yeah, was in her she, young age I mean we haven't spoken about her drawings have we they're like terrifying again again just a, a great way of sort of building up that that tension um and and that that unease and yeah fantastic yeah um yeah I mean it's what's interesting about it is that I think I think at the start of the film all of the Grahams would would have been like um, cynics in terms of this sort of thing, and yeah, oh yeah, um, Annie herself is sort of she's very clearly she is like I think she sort of explicitly says like that she doesn't believe in any of that stuff and whatever. Nope. Um, so it's an interesting sort of uh, portrait, I guess, of what grief can do and the 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 desperation that somebody could have mm. and maybe what happens when you 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 have those moments of um of, of devastation that you'll you'll do anything you'll try anything just to uh um well just to talk to people that you've lost i guess yeah uh, it's sort of heartbreaking yeah. in itself that that she's that she's she's buying into it now um it is heartbreaking it is heartbreaking but this this scene is actually scary it's very scary because um it sort of works, but at the same time, then it gets extremely violent very quickly. The spirit seems to be um, very aggressive towards them. Peter ends up crying. S- Steve is now, who is honestly, I will say this about the husband, Steve. He is the most straight-laced character in the world. Like, he is just so, just what, you know, he is not in the mood for all this bullshit. He's also quite, not, I'm not saying he's not a strong man, but I'm saying that he's he's just... He is like someone who's just given up and is just doing their job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, That's where just I getting Steve. through it. Just getting through just life. Getting through it. I feel sorry for Steve because he's just trying to get through life and then he's roped into all this shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's trying to keep everything together. Um, so anyway, the sentence has gone badly and you can tell that this is a trigger for the events that then unfold, which is a series of um, terrifying... Um, events that happen to Peter not only is he being haunted by uh, the ghost of Charlie or the spirit of Charlie um, but he is also seeing apparitions at school he is oh, when he sees ways... his reflection smiling back at him oh. this is a terrifying scene where he, he is in some ways possessed by an otherworldly creature um, and unable to control his motor functions at times there's the scene in school where he puts his hand up and smacks his head on the table multiple Ugh, times that's and horrible. blood everywhere it's just it's terrifying terrifying um you've got annie who is also haunted uh and is trying to break a cycle believes that something has happened with this seance so she goes to find joan again joan is obviously at this point revealed to be not to annie herself but we as the audience are let into the fact that joan 
worshipped like Charlie worshipped her grandmother um, and yeah. uh, there's also images that are found by Annie of her grandmother being showered with treasures being sort of worshipped by this cult if you will that Joan is a part of and it's revealed that Joan was friends with the grandmother so do you know do you, do you remember what this cult believes in uh, they believe it, it, well it's the sort of they believe in the in the specific demon yeah <laughs> Of uh, Pyman, yeah, uh, which is or pay payment, payment, I think, payment. Um, and the interesting thing about this is, and I know you've got some interesting trivia that we'll move on to, Gareth. But I'll, let's save the trivia for the uh, for the end. Sure. It'll be interesting to note. Yeah, it's interesting to note that some of the stuff that the grandmother's seen wearing, like the family necklace, is a symbol of Pyman. Um, and once again, it's seeded throughout the movie. So this this stuff has been there just in the background of scenes throughout the whole film. And this point, it's gone into absolute chaos. Like, Peter's a, a sort of zombie-like character who's terrified. Annie is hysterical. As I said, poor Steve's trying to hold it all together. <laughs> Steve's just trying to, like, do his job and watch, yeah. watch trash exactly. TV at the end of the day. But everybody's going mental um, around him. Everyone's going mental around him. Annie believes that this book that she has, uh, the sketchbook or whatever it is, if if they destroy that, it'll break this horrible, weird spirit that's lurking around the house or whatever. So she implores Steve to burn the book in the fireplace. And, you know, they throw it in the fireplace and then Steve sets on fire and dies, basically. Um, at the same time as this happens, Annie is possessed. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of the demon world and pagan tree and all this <laughs> shit, but uh, I, I will say I saw this coming. It's terrifying. And a character that we sympathise with throughout the whole film in Annie, who is honestly some of the best acting I've ever seen from Tony Collette um, ever. And she's a fantastic actress. Um, it's horrible to see her just devolve into this essentially exorcist type well, character. <laughs> I think I think it's safe to say, realistically, Annie Annie dies at the moment that that Steve oh, yeah, yeah. catches on fire because the moment yeah, that yeah, she's yeah. possessed, she's not she's not Annie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's you know the film is called Hereditary for a reason. It is because the family line is <laughs> devoted to Pyman, and it has been ordained. You know, and we're about to find out about why. This is in the family, as it were. So what happens then is poor little Peter, who's been sort of knocked out from smacking his head on the table. and He's had a horrible day. He's had a horrible day. Oh, my word. He's having a bad time. He wakes up to find the house at night time. He goes downstairs, finds his father burnt alive, a charred, crisp, stinking mess on the floor. (laughs) Um. And it's disgusting. And then this is when me and you are watching the film, Gareth, and we're just like, for the first time, we're just like, what is that in the back corner? Oh, God. And it's just... So not only is there just a weird, naked man standing there with a creepy face, like with a little todger. Um, He's got his little todger out. You don't even realise because you're looking at the naked guy. But in the top (laughs) corner... Well, you were looking at the the, naked guy. In the top... on, On the ceiling is Tony Collette like full possessed demon and then she scuttles off terrifying 
and, you, and you're like, what the fuck was that? And then when the camera shifts position, she's just lurking in the background and you don't really see her. And then she just springs out of the darkness to honestly the scariest thing I've ever seen. Like that is the scariest jump scare I've ever had in my life. I don't jump and I jumped out of my fucking chair when I have it. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. That is terrifying. Um, so this part, of the, this part of the film is excellent horror stuff because it is balls to the wall crazy. It is... It is Tony Collette possessed, chasing Peter through the house with weird naked people standing around in this sort of woodland cabin. He's up in the attic. He discovers his grandmother's, I remember I said, the grave was desecrated, discovers her headless corpse that has been rotting there for like three weeks, so it's disgusting, with pagan imagery all around it. You've got Tony Collette banging her head on the attic door, uh-huh. sawing her own head off. With right? a fucking piano wire. With a piano wire. No shit. This is mental. Um, To the point where it becomes evident that Peter's only escape is jumping through the window. He jumps through the window. Um, Some sort of spirit goes into him. He wakes up, strolls to the treehouse, which was a favourite place of Charlie's. And, you know, Tony Collette sleeps in there in the film sometimes because she misses Charlie so much. Uh, Goes up. There's more naked people. Two headless corpses worshipping a throne. Um, and Joan, blessed Joan, comes <laughs> comes across and goes, yep, yeah, you are Pyman. Uh, we've had to do all this to get you in that body. Uh, we worship you. Please, you know, shower praise. What well, is shit? Just weird. Just weird. And the film ends. And that's it. You have this absolute chaotic ending where it all just descends into... This is why people don't like it because it goes so supernatural. I think, you know, there's elements of the film that, that make you think, oh, is, is, what's going on here? But then it goes full, like, no, this is this is supernatural. This is fucked up. Um, so uh, what do you think, Gareth? Great ending. Yeah, I mean, I know. That, that, that ending, it, it's, it's unreal. Um, uh, but like I said, I don't think it would work if, if it hadn't been... Yeah, hinted at throughout. It hadn't been if it hadn't been foreshadowed, but there are those bits. So you know, when you when you when you maybe you don't get it immediately after watching it, and you're in a state of shock. I suppose probably you are immediately. In shock. You're shocked. You're shocked. You're like, what the fuck was that last fifteen minutes? That was unreal. Um, but like the image of Tony Collette sort of being soaring sort of, her own head off. Yeah, but also whilst kind of being, she's sort of hanging as well, like she's hovering above. It's it's just horrific, and the sound, the sound of her doing it, you can just hear like, yeah, and, and then you just you hear can, the head fall off, like you just oh hear God. it. It's terrifying. <laughs> um, um, so uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, those moments. Um, those are those are, are real horror moments. That is what yeah. they are. And you know, it's fantastic acting all round from everybody here. Peter's having a bad day. He said he acts it fantastically well. Turns out that basically the whole situation was that Charlie was Pyman, this demon from hell, and we're going to talk about Pyman in a second. But also the fact is that obviously Charlie was a girl, and that doesn't work for them in terms of pyman he needs to be in a male host body so the plan was always to be that the grandmother would die um, and when she did they would 
sort of orchestrate this whole scenario where they would be able to kill Charlie, get the spirit of Pyman, and then do a ritual to make it inhabit that of her older brother Peter's body uh, so that it could fulfill the destiny and, and all that sort of shit. So, yeah, that's the situation. Charlie was always the demon Pyman, which is extremely interesting. And now Gareth is going to talk to us about Pyman. Well, I've just got a couple of... on, Gareth. Pie on. Pie. The Pie Man. Um, Doesn't sound that scary, does he? I want Um, a pie right now. I'm very hungry. And it's a Sunday. Perfect for pies. Very good. Um, But he... And and Pie Man's... Or Payman's pronoun is he um, was uh, supposedly one of the one of one of the devil's um, sort of subservient um, demons, and was renowned for being particularly um, uh, sort of willing and um, obedient to the devil's. Uh, devil's wishes. So he was like a little suck up lieutenant. Basically. He's lieutenant. He's a lieutenant. Yeah of satan um but what's interesting is that um there's a couple of couple of moments that are in this film that i that I, I didn't know this about it until i read up um so he's he's described in the literature as a man riding a camel um and you yeah. see that you see that drawing a few times um, on the necklace in the you see the necklace yeah. is is a humped sort of um animal thing i can't remember what it is but yeah hub, there are humps a camel perhaps um but a man riding a camel preceded by a like a group of people playing music and that music is predominantly can you guess what instrument len think about the movie think about the a piano a piano wire no no, no i see where you're going but no yeah trumpets and trumpets yeah. feature heavily in uh um in in the movie as well uh I really like that. Um, also, oh, when the saints go marching in just on the trumpet. Yeah, I remember that bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time, big time. Um, also, uh, he's often described as having a woman's face, uh, oh. but is still uh, described using masculine pronouns. So uh, he's that is an interesting. I think what Ariaster's done there is sort of taken that element and turned that into maybe an additional bit of folklore. Cause I, I don't think there's any sort of long-term desire from Pyman to, to inhabit a man. the body of a man, but it's just yeah. that, that that is an element of the demon's character uh, that's been explored there, which I, I find pretty cool. Um, but yeah, creepy, creepy little fucker is Pyman. And um done very well in this movie i'm fascinated by this sort of whole because obviously this is all like i say real once again in inverted commas believe what you want to believe or whatever but there's a lot of myths and legends that go around about these demons they're not they're not making shit up they're actually pulling from historical context whether it be biblical whether it be um you know satanists or all this sort of stuff and i'm fascinated by that because there's some weird fucking stuff out there, man. And this is like, you know, they worship, the people in this film worship a lieutenant of the devil and they believe that that, they will be showered with fortune and prosperity by bringing him to 
power. It's fascinating to me how these and 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 let's not sugarcoat it. There's probably cults all around the world that are doing this shit, but we just don't know about it. That's what's terrifying to me. That's of course, and like this is uh, so. Uh, Pyman comes from um, a book called "The Lesser Key of Solomon," which is like a right. It's a it's a spell book on right, um, like a, a demonology spell book, and I think it it was made in like it was made in sort of the seventeenth century. Um, uh, but 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 what I love about it is that. It was written up in the 17th century, but it's based on on stuff that existed for centuries before that. So, like, right. somebody has just found these old manuscripts or whatever and kind of compiled them and put them together. And you yeah, just wonder, like, where does it come from? Who, who How much has... of it is true? How much of it is true? Do we know? <laughs> like, like there, might be, there might be kernels of truth in there. I mean, it depends how religious you are. It depends on if you believe in other worlds and demons and god and angels and all this stuff but how much of it's true i find that sort of stuff fascinating as you said um that this whole element of the movie the sort of demon worship element which is very tropey and can be very tropey is actually extremely well well done in this film and i think it's to its credit that it does such a good job of such a overdone subject matter um and it also makes us research and think about it afterwards so well yeah. done ariasta very good film well done um and that's it, really, for for our review of Hereditary. I mean, it's 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 an incredibly, um, I don't know, just affecting horror movie. And and if you haven't well, seen it, and you have listened to this, harrowing. and we've spoiled it for you. Just watch it because I don't think, um, even if you've just listened to this and you've heard it, seeing it is is different. Um, experiencing it. Any final Agreed. thoughts, Gareth? Um, I I was just looking up today like what Ariasta's going to do next because I can't wait yeah we um, talked whatever about this. it is I know I know this. I know and it's just what a promising start like for this to be your first first your directorial debut is phenomenal um mm. and he's playing with a lot of the themes that that I think are the most effective in horror films um Great movie, great director already, and uh, and I can't wait to see more of his stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing with horror films is some, sometimes they are very hit and miss. Like, even great directors do have missteps. I think Ari Aster is a very um, out there director. I think his style is, as I said, you either love it or you hate it. Yeah, but at the same divisive. time, he's got potential in him to do other great films, but let's just say he he has also got the potential to make some stinkers, I'm sure, because this the way he curates films he's very seems very opinionated he seems very certain on his style um and it won't always work but i like directors that try things i like people that try and subvert our expectations and i think he's doing a fantastic job so far midsummer hereditary two five blueberry horror movies and my two favorite horror movies of the last three years easily so uh also very excited to see his next epic which is meant to be like three hours long and whatever meant to be like a Oh, I can't remember what you called it. Some sort of comedy again. He called it some sort of comedy or something. I was like, oh, oh God, what's this going to be? Um, but yeah, that's it. Thank you very much, Chris, for commissioning this podcast. It has been a lot of fun talking about a horror film that I love. Um, something that we didn't get to cover when it initially came out because I don't think we existed when this originally came out. So No, we did. Um, we did. We did. I don't know what our excuse is, to be honest. 
Um, we were probably doing some shitty Walking Dead coverage or something, getting drunk Westworld. all the time. Yeah, well, no, Westworld season one, brilliant. So don't have a go at that. But I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank you, Gareth, for being here. Um, no, thank you. Thanks for I'm, being there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our coverage of Lovecraft Country. And that is how we're going to end this podcast is once again saying, check out Lovecraft Country. Go watch the trailer. See if you like the look of it. If you do, watch the show on HBO. Find another way to watch it if you need to. And then come listen to us. That's all I have to say. Lovecraft Country Critical. Thank you, Chris, for the commission. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Gaz. See you later, everybody.